BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Powered by Riverside. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I'm Garrett, Chris here. No Uriah, but you know what? We have a really great substitute, longtime friend of the podcast. He's back again, guys. First guest ever on our podcast, Daryl Reynolds. Welcome back, buddy. It's been too long. What's going on, man? What's going on? Thank you for having me back on. It's all yeah. good, man. We appreciate it. Man, we before we get into like the normal stuff here, we got to talk about just we got to catch up on Sixers stuff, man. We haven't even had you on since before Doc Rivers has been hired. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been a minute. And I'm going to start off with the biggest story around the Sixers since you've left, which is Ben Simmons. We had the, you know, the the playoff collapse, the mental health issues, the trade demands, all that stuff. What are your thoughts on the whole entire Ben Simmons saga? Uh, I hated it, man. I, I think for Joel and B to get to the point where he came out and, you know, he was like, you know, we made all these adjustments for him and we tried to craft so much of our identity in our season off of what he needed to happen uh, to make him comfortable. I think that was the word he said, to make him comfortable. Yeah. And then for it to turn into, you know, what it turned into, it was just like, this is a shit show. You know what I mean? Like, bro, this isn't fair to anybody. But on he just he strikes me as a very like a overtly selfish person. You know what I mean? Because like he says, like, bro, everything was made was tailored to your liking. Like, how do we, how do we make you comfortable? And I just, it, it was it seemed like he was he's a, he's a taker. You know what I mean? Like, there was no, what am I giving back to the team? So if you were in that locker room, how would you have approached Ben in that situation? I mean, I'm going to just be completely honest. Somebody getting paid as much as he is, if I'm in that locker room, I'm probably not making that same amount. So it becomes difficult. And that's like the thing with the NBA. There's a there's a power dynamic of, even with coaches to a degree, like you understand, like mm-hmm. for organization, it's like I'm paying this kid who could be the cornerstone of my organization for the next 10 to 15 years, I'm giving him a hundred uh, plus million dollars. Then I have this coach that if he's out there, I have my hit spot tomorrow, 5 million. Like who am I more concerned with keeping happy? And you kind of saw that with James Harden and Kevin McHale um, down mm-hmm. in, uh, in Houston. You know, when they came down to it, they was like, we rocking with James Harden. Kevin McHale was like, listen, mm-hmm. I'm this dude's not a winner. You're going to see what happens, but how it pans out with him. But bottom line is like, you know, the next Magic Johnson is way more uh, harder to come by than, you know, a good coach. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Ben certainly did not do himself any favors. Apparently there was some fa- family tra- drama going on, and that's part of the reason. But let, let's be clear. Mental health, whether it's for <laughs> the reason that he said it was or not, mental health played a factor into this. Whether it was, you know, he was afraid or that he just had the yips or whatever. It it wasn't a good look. The Sixers, I think, did very good to move on. And, you know, I think part of the reason why the Ben Simmons thing happened was, you know, you get a veteran coach like Doc Rivers to take Brett Brown's place. Who Brett Brown, let's be honest, kind of coddled Ben at times. And Doc did to an extent, too. But clearly, that post... uh, you know, series press conference where Doc said, I didn't know. Now Doc will say he didn't mean it like that, but let's be real. He, he did, he did. He's just trying to backtrack now. My, my question to you is first off, do you like the hiring of Doc Rivers over Brett Brown? 
And then secondly, do you think Doc Rivers is the right coach for this team? Um, well, first of all, the hire, yes. And I'm trying to think how to describe it. Before the trade went down, I remember saying they need a coach like Doc Rivers. They need somebody that's going to come in and kind of grab things by the reins and, like, stare this team to where it needs to be. And I think, to a degree, he's done that. But looking at how things are panning out, number one, I don't know how much control he really has. And -hmm. number two, I don't know, is it going to take another coach to get them all the way there? I would really hope it wouldn't. I think if it takes another coach, then at that point, we got to just realize that this shit just ain't going to work out with this core team. Like, yeah, it's just, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. just not, there's no other excuses. So I hope they do get it done with Doc Rivers. As far as him being the right guy, I can't say yes, but I can't say no either. I, I, you don't I know. Lot, I think I think a lot's riding on this year. Yeah. 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 That's fair. I know Chris is not the biggest Doc Rivers fan. And there are certainly times where Doc drives me crazy, but he's done it before. There's a chance he could do it again. I think you're absolutely right that this is this could very well be a make or break year for Doc Rivers. Yeah. But like I said, if that if, that, if it comes to that, then it's just like who the hell else is gonna even come in here and it's on y'all. Y'all gotta coach yourselves at this point. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's too much talent on this team. I'll put it like that. There's too much talent on this team for this for this year not to be something and to me something is like get to the eastern conference finals you know what i mean like just something to Mm -hmm. be like all right all this shit wasn't for nothing Mm -hmm. no i i certainly agree there um and you mentioned james harden earlier ben simmons was traded for james harden james harden clearly was not healthy last season he's supposed to be healthy this year do you think this duo of james harden and joel and b can win a championship um I've said it a lot of times. I don't I don't believe in in James Harden. Um I want to because he's on the Sixers. I want to believe that this dude's it, but like to me in my personal opinion like certain players just aren't winners. To have somebody um like our right, Carmelo, probably the best example. Mm-hmm. Exciting as hell, going to be a bucket. Is always going to be, you know, in the mix. But until you get to, like, the Olympics, where it's just, like, the the odds are overwhelmingly stacked against the other team, this isn't a winner. Like, I, I just – I don't know how to describe it. It's just you kind of see it in basketball. You see it in basketball a lot. You see it increasingly more these days. But, like, you can look at a team or look at a player and it's be like, all right, if they were around X, Y, and Z, they would win. Or if you put them in this situation, they would win. They had this type of coach. Then it's just, like – no, it's just this – the winning isn't the concern for this player enough, and they're always going to be at a position where it's like you have to deal with them. You have to either give them the ball, pass them the ball, whatever it is, like a Carmelo. And I think James Harden's in that same boat. Like, I just don't – like, look at how many teams it's been. OKC, Houston, Brooklyn, and now us. It's like, at what point is it just, is it just James Harden? Yeah, I, I I I get the narrative where you're coming from. I think he is older and more mature now than he was in his Houston days. And mm-hmm. I think that that showed a little bit because he saw what Kyrie was all about. I'm not going to I'm this is not the bash Kyrie uh, podcast, but let's be clear. Kyrie was a little bit off last year in terms of his way of thinking here. And I think that he saw that and he that's why he left Brooklyn is because he realized that he couldn't win with Kyrie. So I think there is a level of maturity there with Harden. He's 33 now, right? So he he's getting older. I'm I'm willing to see cuz even Carmelo, you know, Carmelo was able to change with time. I think Harden can do the same thing. Um and he's still in his prime, hopefully. So with that being said, so you have faith is, in Harden. I I I have hope. I have hope. I I'm not sure if faith is the right hope. word, but I have hope. I don't know, Chris, what do you okay. think? You got faith in Harden? Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly have faith in Harden. I, I think I, I think it's really hard to win a championship in the NBA. And, like, those Houston teams at their peak were by far the second-best team in the NBA behind Golden State. Like, he, it was kind of an unfortunate timing thing because I think Harden would have a championship if Golden State didn't 
peak at the time that they did. <laughs> like, like you could argue on paper those Houston teams at their peak were the best offensive teams we've ever seen. Like, statistically, they were putting up those kinds of numbers, and James was yeah. a big reason for that. Yeah. Like he's one of the best offensive players we've ever seen, period. And um, obviously, he's he hit a bit of a speed bump the last couple of years with the hamstring injury, and it's fair to wonder if he's going to be anywhere close to 100% prime James Harden next season. I think that's a fair concern. But I don't think he's a particularly selfish player. Like, this is a guy who can lead the league in assists in any given year. He's the best playmaker and creator for others that the Sixers have ever had with Embiid. And I, I think he's going to do a lot to elevate the guys around him, even if he's not scoring at the level we're used to. So I, I certainly have faith in James. I think he's a good player. I think he's a winning player. Um. I'm with you, Daryl, like going back to one of your first points, it's kind of, it's time for the Sixers to do something. And if they fall short again this year, if they're out in the second round to a, you know, inferior seeming opponent again, then it's maybe time to have that conversation. But all the reports this summer have been very positive about James's health and his conditioning and his hamstring. It's his first full summer to get, used to Doc Rivers, to get used to Embiid, Maxi, all these new teammates. The Sixers have built out the depth chart to a better degree than they ever have with Joel on the team. Like, this is the team to do something. This is the year to do something. I agree with you on that point. So, fast forward a year, if we're talking about another second-round exit or first-round exit, then maybe there's some more room to be pessimistic. But I, I, I do think... I have faith in James, and I think the Sixers are capable of making a real run this year. Yeah, and Chris, you you brought up the other Sixers, and uh, Daryl, I just want to ask you, is there any other players that you want to touch on or any other things revolving the Sixers that you want to talk about before we move on? No, 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 man, this is your show. I'm just just here, man. Well, okay, let me rephrase. Do you want to talk about Tyrese Maxey? Because <laughs> we love Tyrese yeah. Maxey here. I love I, I love Tyrese. I, no, no, no. I, I'm a huge Maxey fan. I, I, it's have, so weird to hear somebody say his full name. Um, but yeah, no, I'm a huge Maxey fan. I, you know, I mean, I, I would see clips of what he was doing and and the rump this summer and him kind of popping out. I love how many um, players are like popping out into these summer leagues and stuff. Like it was a real, it was a real live summer for basketball to see a lot of these NBA dudes come out and play in these programs. Um, Heard nothing but good things about him, and you know, to me, it's just if somebody has good character, it's like you kind of, it's kind of hard not to root for him. I heard he's a great person, but he's also a dog out there. You know what I mean? I like mm-hmm. he's getting it done. I was kind of hoping that at the end of last season, James Harden for some reason like wouldn't be coming back, and then they would let Maxi be in that role completely. Like I, I got, I was, I was pulling for that. Well, I, I think there's a I, I, I understand wanting the ball in Maxie's hands more, but I, I will say this. James Harden is one of the best playmakers in the NBA and Maxie's shooting went off the roof as soon as Harden came shot over 48 yeah. percent from three after the uh, trade yeah. after Harden started playing. So like I can't deny that. I think Maxie has a chance to be an all star this year or at least play at an all star level. It'll oh, yeah, depend yeah. on I, I think he's going to be special. Because you don't see a kid with that amount of speed and that amount of touch in the NBA. Yeah. It's yeah. either touch or speed. You don't see that, that combination very often. And I can't think of a good comp for him, honestly, if you're, if you're looking back in NBA history. I don't have a good comp. I, I, don't, I can't yeah. think of somebody. But like yeah. he, 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 he's going to, he's, he, I think he's going to be special in, is, unless it's like a superstar mega trade. Maxie's not going anywhere. And even then... I, I doubt that, but yeah. Chris, I think I think it's time for you to go ahead and switch gears. Yeah, so let's talk about the midseason tournament, which appears to be something that is going to come to the league eventually, maybe as soon as twenty twenty four, if we're to believe the recent reports from Shams over at the Athletic. Um, basically, I believe the proposal right now, Daryl, is. Is it eight teams, Lucas? That would be yeah. I think it's eight teams. Yeah, eight teams, single elimination. It's all built into the eighty-two game schedule. So, 
no extra games except for one extra game for the two championship teams of this midseason tournament. Daryl, do you like the idea of a midseason tournament? Do you think it adds more excitement to the regular season? Or do you think it's going to be something that fans just kind of gloss over and don't really care about? What are your opinions on that? No, I think it's going to be very successful just because, first of all, it's not our idea. That's that's how they do it in Europe. In Europe, they call it the cup. You saw they kind of they kind of they let the, the WNBA try it out this past season instead of the NBA getting on it first. And it was successful. But when you have at the end of the day, some teams just get wore out by the year. They have injuries. They have, you know, things happening personally. The, the season just takes a toll on them. And some teams don't make it because they just don't have the legs. You look at the Bucks this year. You know what I mean? But then you have that midseason shape that it's almost like there's almost no reason for at least 80% of your team to not be at their, like, tip-top shape. And when you throw in a tournament, if it's exciting enough, like, I low-key think this is what All-Star Weekend, like, always should have been. Like, have All-Star Weekend, but make it in some way, like, I'm not going to say always should have been. Let me, let me stop capping. When I saw it overseas, I realized how much cooler All-Star Weekend could have been all those years that we're just celebrating, like, dunk contests and skill contests. But it's like, if you have a tournament and guys are in that type of shape, it's just, it's, you're, getting, you're getting a slice of the playoffs. It's not going to play out exactly like that. Like, it never does. But, like, you're getting a picture of the playoffs. But instead of guys being worn down after 82 games, you're seeing guys after 40-something. You're seeing guys, when they hit their stride, play it, like, for something that matters. You know what I mean? That usually makes for something pretty decent. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think, it's, I think it can be good if done the right way. I don't know if, if eight teams is the right way. I don't I don't understand the whole uh, everything about it. But here's what I will say. If you incorporate this into all star week instead of a weekend, just being a weekend, make it like two weeks. Like the WNBA, the G League did this as well. The G League has a showcase. It went very well. Um, I will say that if you incorporate this into this, the all star week, make it an all star week or two weeks. Like, that could be fun. And then, like, the other thing is, like, you'll get this because some teams are going to rest their stars during this. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. But you know what I would like to see? Some of these, like, contending teams get give their younger players, like Jaden Springer for the Sixers, for example. I know Chris is on that island. Um, get a chance <laughs> to actually get to play a little bit. So, like, I, yeah. I think that there's a chance that, like, you can showcase some of the young talent on these contending teams. And then like teams like Sacramento, they might come away with this and that might be their like crowning achievement of the season. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm all for it. I think as as long as you don't add any extra games, I think it could work. Yeah. I, I think my biggest concern in the past when they floated this idea was that it would add extra games and extra stress to the players. And, Knowing that that probably won't be the case, I, I see no real downside here. It, it's only upside. There are a lot of games early in the season, especially in that middle portion, that can feel kind of meaningless sometimes. Like 82 games is a lot of games. So, so it just adds an extra yeah. layer of excitement and meaning to games that might otherwise be kind of overlooked. Maybe not draw as much attention from the fan base. So I, I'm all for it. Like you said, Daryl, this is something that they do in Europe. They tried it in the WNBA. Like, this isn't the first time a midseason tournament has been floated around. So I I think it's a positive development for sure. When you say all-star, like, are you saying, like, one weekend is the start of this thing and then the following weekend is the all-star game? Like, what do you – how do you see that playing out? I think it could be like a two – like, okay. I'm thinking like FIBA. You know how FIBA's going on right now. They have group play. The first week is group play. The second week is like the tournament where like, I don't know. I don't know if the tournament would work, but like something along that way, the second week would be the tournament. And then that gets after you have the championship game, say on Thursday night, you start the all-star weekend on Friday. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking here. That's just my thoughts. I don't know if that would work. And obviously you would have to incorporate the, the schedule and everything, but that's just an, an idea. 
Yeah, I like it. I like it. Sounds dope. Yeah, I I, I think I, so. I, Sorry, go ahead. No, no. See, I'm I'm just I'm interested to see what they do, but it, like you said, it hasn't been the first time it's been done, so it can definitely work. It's just are they going to make it? For sure. But let's go ahead and switch gears here, because I don't know if you saw on Twitter, Daryl, but they've leaked the new city jerseys for the Sixers. Have you seen them yet? No. Okay, so it's the old Twitter anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. So basically, they're white jerseys with red trim on the side. And in the middle, in cursive, it says brotherly love. Hold on. I got to look this up. They got a red alternative. Uh, uh, it looks like they have a new, uh, what you call it, a new, uh, re, you know, floor design with it too. If if it's the one that I'm, if it's really the one, they haven't officially announced it yet, but this is the one that's floating around Twitter. It should look like Doctor J era with the little cursive on there. <laughs> Cursive, brotherly love. Uh, I, I think that's crypto up top. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I, I okay. So what, what's your you're what you're looking at this for the first time. So what are your thoughts here? Yeah, but this is my first time. I, I, I'm not on Twitter. I'm looking at this. I'm this is my first time seeing this. Um, I don't hate it. It's not like it's not my favorite, but it's not bad. Yeah. So what do you think? Go ahead, go ahead. I, I know, like, the general reaction from the fan base on Twitter, at least, has been pretty negative. But I'm, I'm with you, yeah. Daryl. I, I, I kind of dig it. I, I know when yeah. they had the, the, like, 76ers jerseys where they wrote out 76ers a few years back, the Al Horford year, those white jerseys that were kind of like this, those weren't, like, the most beloved jerseys the, ever. The I cream like ones? No, the, the white ones. That had like seventy sixers spelled out. I gotta look it up. I forgot. It was very similar to these, and like I liked those at the time. Yeah. I I like these. Like I I think they look good. The shorts, especially, are pretty clean. As long as not that shit with the, just the bell. I I didn't. I hated uh, yeah. That. Nah. Nah. Yeah, that was not that. good. The bell that was, was weird. Those were bad. That was weird. Yeah, that was like. It was like yeah. cartoonish. But what, what, what do you think? Right, so we only heard from from us. What, so, what's your take on this? So the I think they've nailed these alternative jerseys, the city jerseys, for the last three years. Because two years ago you had the black jerseys with the uh, with the you know the AI like uh, homage. I like that. Last year you had the Spectrum jerseys. I like that too. I uh, and then this year I I you know what. I'm a cursive. I like cursive, so I'm all for this. I was waiting for them to play off the city of brotherly love stuff, so I think this works. It's not like too flashy. I think it's the right amount of flashy, and like based off the past four years of jerseys. I mean, granted, I will always have the black jerseys number one. I think Spectrum was number two. This is number three, and then that Phila, the white ones that just said Phila on there, that's yeah. last. So yeah. I, I think that's that's where I'm at on that. So I, I'm all for it. I think this works. I think this works. I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's bad. I think it's solid. People are trashing it? Yeah. Some people are, yeah. Quite, quite prolifically. Yeah, I, I think they're good. I don't really see why people are against this. I, I, I'm not with you, Lucas. I thought the black ones... And like, like, if they'd done a proper AI homage and done like the black jerseys from 01. Oh, you wanted the cool. uh, you wanted a complete remix. Okay, that no, 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 no. Cool. But the ones that they did with like the river skyline thing, I thought those were pretty bad. I, I nah. think that's my least favorite by good. Nah, mark. nah, I'm I'm all for it. You know, this is the type of topic that Uriah should have been on because you know Uriah has very strong opinions <laughs> about the jersey. About <laughs> we we miss you, Uriah. I, I'm sure you're doing something very important tonight, but um. Across the NBA with all the new jerseys, is there any one jersey that really sticks out to you that you guys like? Um, see, that's the thing. Not being on Twitter, I miss out on a lot of this shit. This is where, like, this stuff don't make it to IG and LinkedIn. Uh, you... Okay, I got you. I got you. See what well, I'm um, well, I'll, I'll no, tell no, you no, this. No, no, no. Utah... 
Let me give me give me one to look up. Okay, okay. Well, while you're looking it up, Chris, you can chime in. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say Minnesota dropped New Jersey's a, a few days ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the Aurora one. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty good. They're black with neon green trim, and they're they're pretty pretty nice. Um, I'm gonna be watching more Minnesota games this year. I feel like so it's nice that they have uniforms I like. Uh, um, don't get start. Don't get Chris started <laughs> on Rudy Gobert. He 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 likes all other foreign centers besides Joel. Apparently, that's um, that's what I've come to Joel to is the my conclu- favorite person on the face of the earth. Don't no, don't he's not. Person. Tell him who really is your favorite person because you always rank him above Joel. Joel which, Just because I can be honest, no, doesn't mean that I don't love Joel Embiid. Yeah. Um, we'll I, I will it. say. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But in the meantime, I will say I like the fact that Utah is going back to the purple uh, throwback jerseys with the um, with the purple Utah mm-hmm. mountains and everything. I like it's, that yeah. that throwback. I think that they nailed back. one of those because the new like neon oh the, the, the other ones were off awful. The new the other new ones bad. are awful. Yeah, are they're the worst rough. jerseys. But like at least they got the throwback right. So good for them because they're going to be awful this year. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! No, no, no! If this is real, it's over. I don't even know how y'all said anybody else. Is it true that Detroit's bringing back? Yeah, the bringing back the teal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. You know what? No, I take back the Utah one. Yeah, Detroit's oh, teal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh! I, I like what San Antonio is doing with the block letters again. I like that that bringing back that David Robertson type look. That area, mm-hmm. but yeah, yo, I'm sorry. I, I got to give it up to. Uh, that return of the teal, those that Grant Hill era um, of the oh, yeah. Christians, like yeah, no, that's who yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. That, There's that, some pretty that. weird ones that are out there this year. Like Lakers are bringing back the baby blues. Washington not a big fan a, of that. Washington uh, has a pink uniform this year. Yeah, for the stra- uh, ch- uh, cherry blossom tree. Yeah, the yeah. cherry blossom trees. Mm. Yeah, not. But they're. But they are bringing back the original, the you know, like two thousands Wizards jerseys too, mm-hmm. with the with the uh, yeah, the man, I like. Yeah, okay, I I must be the minority here because I actually like them. Sorry, I was man. a fan. That's that's when I came into <laughs> basketball, man. That's when I came in. True, true, Eddie, true. So any anyway, okay, so we teased about this just a second ago, but Chris, how about you go ahead and talk about how how much we're going to argue right now. Uh, yeah, so I did a, a redraft of the 2014 NBA draft, famously when Joel Embiid went third overall to the Sixers. Uh, just to set the stage here, the 41st overall pick that season was Nikola Jokic, who has, unfortunately to some, been the over Joel for a couple years now. Been robbed! Daryl, we can yeah, the whole list here, but we obviously have to start with the battle for number one. It's pretty clearly between Embiid and Jokic. Who do you personally I mean, favor there? I assume it's Embiid. Yeah, I was about to say it's Embiid, yeah. but it's, yeah. if you give this question to most people, they're going to say because of these last two MVPs, they give it to Jokic. But I, I'm sorry, that first year, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I would have gave it to Jokic, but it's like that was a harder argument. Last year was bullshit. Like that was just bored. I was like, yeah, this is just not that that that's just not right. Like he just just outright should not have won. I'm sorry. Like you see what that team is doing did without Jamal Murray. I'm not saying that like Yogi can't do anything, but I, I don't know. I just to me, John B should have got it last year. So I'm I'm going with him number one. Yeah, no, yeah, I, hey, Daryl, me and you, same boat, man. And I, th- I thought the only reason why I didn't win it two years ago is because he didn't play enough games. Let's be yeah. clear, that was a participation trophy for yeah. Jokic two years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I think, look, Jokic is the best passing big man in NBA history. I, I'm not going to deny that. He's a really good offensive player all around. And I know where Chris is going to go on this, but Joel's just better defensively, like by leaps and bounds. And mm-hmm. I I think for me, I would put him number one. And here's the thing. I think I read somewhere the Cavs were going to pick him number one until he hurt his foot in that uh, pre-draft workout. So oh, sure. just going to say that. Yeah. Sure. 
Well, so I do have Jokic number one. I, I don't want to and act like it's... <laughs> I'm not saying Jokic is leaps and bounds better than Joel Embiid or anything like that. But even if you strip away the MVPs and you strip away, you know, whether or not Jokic was outright better than Joel last year, I would argue he was by just a, a shade. And that's why I put him number one on my MVP ballot. But that doesn't really matter. But like, if you're drafting holistically, like looking at entire careers, Jokic has been healthier. He's played in more games. There are fewer durability concerns with him long term beyond this season. Like that's something you have to factor into it too, is that Jokic is just a healthier player than Joel. Like that's part mm-hmm. of the equation as well. Like he's maybe the best offensive player of this generation. Like you said, Lucas, best passing big man of all time. Absolute brilliant player who elevates everyone around him. But even if you are of the opinion that Joel is straight up better, which is fine, there's an argument for it. He's certainly a more impactful defender, and that's something you have to factor into it. Joel has been hurt a lot, and he plays a style of basketball that makes him at risk to get hurt more. And, you know, that can change in an instant. Injuries are very unpredictable, but, but, durability is a factor there too so I, I think that is part of the argument as well as to why Jokic might go first overall if we have to redo it but that's fair that's fair like we're talking about that probably the point. second and third best player in the NBA right now like they're both really amazing they're hall both of fame top talent. five players yeah yeah we're, we're talking about two future hall of famers to get two players of that caliber at the same position in the same draft is pretty amazing and, I mean, these are two guys who are going to be kind of linked in, in in NBA history forever because of these two MVP races. Whether you agree that Jokic should have won them or not, these are two guys who are going to be compared and contrasted for the rest of time. And, I mean, it's really an interesting argument. Like, also, if you want to do playoff success, Jokic is the only one that's made it past the second round so far. Like, there are... I was about to say, yeah. There are notches in Jokic's favor here, but um, obviously Joel's uh, awesome. I love Joel. He's by far my favorite athlete of all time. Like, I, I have a deep personal connection to Joel. I love Joel to death. I'm not trying to <laughs> sit here and bash him. I promise. But um, I, I do have Jokic at number one in my redraft. Um, well, then I guess, Daryl, who do you got number two? Is it Jokic or somebody else? Uh, do we want to just go down the list here, and we can? Yeah, yeah. Let's just go down the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have Joel at two, and I have Zach Levine at three. I, I, yeah, closest guy, and I, I don't think there's any way you could argue that he should go over Joel. Well, think about it like this: or, or Jokic. The the Bucks had selected Giannis the year before. Joel was on the Bucks with Giannis. They would have had like three championships by now. Oh my god, that is so scary. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, scary. they picked Jabari Parker, who is not going to be included <laughs> in this redraft. No, he's not. I feel bad for Jabari though, because two knee injuries and yeah, yeah, because like he was good, like he was really like he was never good defensively, but offensively, I think he had a year where he averaged what like twenty twenty two. So like he was good. He just like I said, that knee knee injuries, yeah. man, for sure. I remember when he was talking about um, Jabari Parker, the point where, like, Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins were coming out of high school, and people were like, look at next Brown and Melo, and they were like, all right, let's slow down here. But it was just so much on them from early, like, it was kind of hard for them to live up to it anyway, but, like, mm-hmm. you said, Jabari, with those injuries, it just it really didn't help. I wonder what would have happened with the Bucks because Giannis and Jabari are basically the same position. They would have had to trade one of them eventually anyway, right? Because neither one of them were ever a good outside shooter. Even if Jabari didn't get injured, like Jabari getting injured actually helped Giannis emerge as who he is now. So there's that. We got Zach. Chris got Zach Levine at number three. I think that's pretty fair. Zach Levine, three-time All-Star now. Is is that right? Is he one of the – how many times? No, two-time All-Star, right? I thought it was twice. Yeah, twice. Two-time All-Star. Hey. The only, yeah, the only other All-Star from this draft beyond those three, I believe, is Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. So, 
this isn't the deepest draft class of all time. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But that's okay. I like Levine. If he went to the Sixers, like that could have certainly helped out. Um, I, I think that would have been a nice pick. Not not a franchise changing pick, but it would have definitely helped out Philly. Yeah. yeah. So so I'm going to Yeah, me too. I mean, he he's awesome. Um I have Marcus Smart at number four. I know interesting as I went through had Andrew Wiggins at number four. I don't know if I buy that. I have Smart at four. Guy just won defensive player of the year. I think he's been better than Wiggins for the majority of his career. And frankly, he's better than Wiggins this season. I know that Andrew ended up winning the championship. But I mean I mean Smart, one of the best defensive players in the NBA right now. He's been a really high level defender his whole career. Not like a perfect, flawless offensive player, but a guy who has helped the Celtics win games for a long time. I have him at four. I'm sorry, I'm a Marcus Smart fan. I, I hate to say it, but like, not a fan, but I just respect him. But yeah, I, I think four is. Whoa, he's your fifth. Uh, I have Wiggins five. Uh, I'll just go a few more. I have Wiggins at five. I have Jeremy Grant at six, and I have Clint Capella at seven. So I think that's kind of the next tier after the top three. Um. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that order. I think, look, Marcus Smart, you could switch him and Andrew Wiggins depending on what you value. But Andrew Wiggins only has one All Star appearance. Marcus Smart, granted, I would have probably if if uh, what is his name, Time Lord, didn't get injured, I probably would have voted him Defensive Player of the Year. But still, Marcus Smart, one of the best perimeter defenders in the game. Has that uh, Draymond Green mentality, you know, that Ben Wallace type of, you know, attribute, that little extra thing that he's never going to give you the prettiest numbers. But he's I look, if Marcus Smart can keep this up for another five years, maybe get one more defensive player of the year award. He's he's a Hall of Famer. Andrew yeah. Wiggins will never yeah. be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So right. I, I'm I'm OK with it. I'm OK with it. Uh, Andrew Wiggins. You know what? I give him his flowers. He finally made an all star game. He 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 was. I will say this. I think he was the second best player for the Warriors in their championship run. I I will say that. Like I think he was the, the entire playoffs. Uh, majority I, of it. I majority think a lot of it. People are starting to disrespect Draymond a little, but Wiggins is really good in the playoffs. Wiggins was the lockdown defender more often than Draymond was, and he was yeah. getting you 18 to 20 points a game. Yeah, I'm about to say yeah. shit. Well, when you put it like that, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, yeah, look, I, I mean, part of, there was a small part of me that would have been like, if Steph didn't have a great finals, like he did, so it is no question. But if Steph didn't have, if Steph had a, like a you know pre Kevin Durant finals, man, I would have thought maybe, maybe it was Andrew Wiggins that deserved that MVP Finals MVP. Mm. I'm not saying that clearly Steph deserved it because he played his, but like he was the second, I, I will say this, him and Jalen Brown were tied for the second best players in that series. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't, I don't know if I, I just, I don't know if I like overlook him just naturally, but you're right. Like I'm thinking back on it. Like shit, he really was the one several times. They wasn't always in the clutch, but just throughout the game, very, um, very steadily. I think that's what it was. It was so steady. I mean, outside of like him like having a crazy dunk here or there, a lot of his buckets are like just real sturdy. You know what that's I mean? Like he's not gonna like wow you and flee. You know what I mean? Like Steph is like, you can't ignore it. Like this is a loud ass 20 or 30, whatever he's getting, mm-hmm. there's gonna be a bunch of attention around it. There's gonna be a bunch of crazy buckets and shit like that. But like Andrew Wiggins, it just be like back cuts, pull-ups, like it is. He's so sturdy and steady with it. I, I completely forgot to like, shit, you're right. He was the second best player. Uh, I, you, you, I might've persuaded you. I'm, I'm going to take that as a win for me today. Um, <laughs> Chris, I do have a question for you. Now, why do you have Jeremy Grant above Clint Capella? Because if you're looking, Grant's in his prime now. Capella's starting to decline. But when P- Capella was in his prime, Chris, yeah. he was a top, a top five defensive center in the NBA. Top so, three, arguably. So, yeah, so he he's by far, that's the one I feel the worst about. Is 
I mean, if we are basing it strictly on accomplishments up to this point, Capella's probably number four. Or me, like, Capella's I don't know about good at his peak. He, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I think, it, like, what made me put him there was just, like, the durability concerns and longevity concerns. Cause he well, he's starting to get pretty, older, yeah, yeah. Pretty significant step back. I mean, he's the same age as all these guys. These guys are all That's 20, true. 28, 29, 27, but... He he seems to be moving in the wrong direction, whereas I, th- I think Jeremy's got a few years of, of prime basketball left. He plays, you could argue, a more important position in that he can defend all over the floor, but you can certainly argue for Capella over Grant. You could argue for Capella over Wiggins and, and Smart, too. I, I, think I, I don't know about Smart, but yeah, okay. I, yeah, I think those four are all pretty tightly knit. Um uh, I'll just say this. You're right that he's declining quick, quicker than the other guys here. But, you know, that's part. I think he was dealing with injuries last year. But, like, the other thing is, is that there's a guy behind him ready to play now. And the team's willing to, you know, I think that team's willing to, like, he could lose a starting job this year. And it's not because he's playing horribly. It's just that Okongwu's ready. And you follow yeah. the Hawks, so I know that. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to lose his starting job this year. I think he's a candidate to get traded. But, yeah, I mean, look, Capella was really, really fantastic in Houston, and he was really fantastic in his first year with Atlanta. Last season was a bump in the road. Maybe he comes back at full strength this season and makes me look stupid. It's very possible. <laughs> Again, I don't really feel great about him being number seven. I I certainly think the case for him being higher is pretty strong, so I'm not even going to argue against it. Um, so what's your next tier, Chris? So I have Aaron Gordon at number eight, I have Julius Randle at number nine, and I have Yusuf Nurkic at number ten. I guess that would be the next tier, so to speak. I, I, I'm, I'm going to put... I'm going to pull Gordon back two spots. I uh, yeah, two. yeah. I think. Look, you look at Randall. Randall was like bona fide two years ago, a top twenty player in the league when he won that, you know, most improved player. Last year he had a little bit of a step back, but I think he's still overall better player than Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon has been a high level role player pretty much throughout his whole career, and that's not a knock. He's like, it, uh, he kind of reminds me of Iggy a little bit, you know. Uh, mm. he could do more, but that's not who he is. You know what? Like, he has the skill and athleticism to do more, but he, he just, that's not who he is mentality wise. Yeah. So, and then him and Nurkic, I don't know. Like, look, you can make the argument. And if you want to put him ahead, Nurkic, I, I won't argue too much about it, but Nurk, like you will never say that Aaron Gordon's a top 10, um, was never a top 10 power forward in the NBA. At some points in his career, Nurkic was a top 10 center in the NBA. That's, mm. that's kind of where I'm at on that. Yeah. I, I think it's again, like Nurkic has just been hurt and he's kind of taken a few steps back because of that. If, if Nurkic was still healthy and in his prime and there was a, you know, you could see his prime going on a few years longer then he'd probably be ahead of both those guys. Like Nurkic, like you said, Lucas, was a really impactful defender and frankly a very good offensive player with a lot of underrated skills and a great rebounder. Like he checked a lot of boxes. So I I don't, I'm not really going to push back that hard again. I think these guys were all pretty neck and neck. Um, With Julius, it's like he had one really good season and outside of that, he's been kind of... Bumpy, like he—he he just. I don't know if he's a winning player most years. Look, I liked him when he was in New Orleans. He—he he played really well next to Anthony Davis. He puts up points. He can score a lot. There's no doubt about it. He—he—he he, he has a lot of, on the surface, very useful skills. He can pass. He can dribble. He can hit off the bounce. He can post up. He can score different ways. He should be a better defender than he is based on just his athletic profile. But last season, it was pretty rough in New York. And before his All-NBA year in New York, 
going to New Orleans, the Lakers, all those years, he was pretty inconsistent. Like he he yeah. just was not winning a lot of games, and he wasn't playing at a very high level all the time. I, I think Gordon has been pretty consistent the last few years. He's a really high-level defender. I think a very underrated defender. Uh, offensively, you're not going to get the peaks out of him that you get out of Julius, but just I, I think Gordon's a winning player. Like Gordon's a really good third, fourth. Look, best I, player. I, I, I thought Gordon was going to be the next Blake Griffin, and it just never had. Like the athleticism, the IQ, like I, it was all there, and then yeah. it just didn't happen. Sure. I, I mean, I don't think I think a lot of these guys underperformed relative to expectations, but I. I don't know if that's like a reason to penalize Gordon because he has been a very good player overall. And mm-hmm. I just think consistency and longevity wise, that's why I put him at eight, but I, I'm willing to hear arguments otherwise for sure. What, what about you, Daryl? I was just saying swap Gordon and, and uh, Julius Randle, but I mean, yeah, no swap those two. Yeah. Swap those two. Okay. Outside of that. Yeah. Just, Totally fair. Yeah. I agree um, anything else, man. We got a few more players. Our last tier, yeah. right, Chris? Run through the last four here. I have Joe Harris at 11, Spencer Dinwiddie at 12, Bogdan Bogdanovich at 13, and Kyle Anderson at 14. And I only did the lottery. There wasn't too much beyond that, to be honest. So those are the last four. <laughs> what do you think, Daryl? I actually have an overbuttle. That, that that sound pretty solid. I I might put Spencer Dinwiddie slightly ahead of Joe Harris, but like it's so close. Yeah, it's just that Din, if Dinwiddie didn't get injured two years ago, I don't think it's close. But he did, so I don't. Now it's kind of like questionable. But I I think you you kind of hit it on the head there, Chris. I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking I was like, eh, that. That sound about right. That's pretty solid. I see what you're saying about Dinwiddie, though. Because mm-hmm. Dinwiddie, man, I don't. If he didn't get injured, he was averaging <laughs> like 20 points a game, man. I was and, like, he holding yeah. down in Brooklyn. What's the name of them wasn't there? Like everybody talk about Kyrie and Katie and all of that. I remember that Brooklyn trade. I was thinking like, yo, I hope y'all get rid of Dinwiddie and all of this. Like he was, he a bucket. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He might actually. With uh, Jalen Brunson gone, he's he if he can get back to where he was pre-injury, he's a better fit next to Luca because uh, he's a Luka, better defender. Yeah, yeah. That's if he can hit, too. yeah. The only thing that I'm worried about Dallas, and, I, and this is slightly off-topic, is that they don't have a third ball handler there now. They don't have a third guy. It's only those two. They need to trade for another guard. I don't I know like who, the but they need always in Luca's hands, though. I'm just saying, if Spencer gets hurt or you know foul trouble or whatever, yeah, having one more ball handler, another play, just one more playmaker could make a difference in a series. But yeah. anyway, let's let's go ahead and switch gears, and we got to talk about the most recent NBA controversy: the one-year suspension of Robert Sarver uh, for the. Just overall unencourageable behavior in the workplace, not acting like a, a like a NBA governor, saying racial and sexist things in the workplace. The players are really upset here, Daryl. Um, do you think that more should be done, or do you think the penalty was fair? It's hard to say, man. I'm sorry, because with stuff like this, it's such a, it's such a like. He, I, I don't know how to describe it. If everything that's being said is true, they cooperated right. it. That they, they, they've investigated it. It's, it's they've printed out their findings. It's all true. This is all true. Yes, sir. Everything Indeed. that they printed out in the report from sexist comments about women getting pregnant, potentially losing to their job, from him repeat, repeating phrases that he heard from other people using the N word. Have all been cooperated oh, yeah, as yeah. true. Nah, this, then it's, if it's all true, then it's not. This this is not enough. But like, here's the issue with this, and it was kind of the same thing with Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling gets caught 
you know, on tape saying all that he said a couple years back. And um, they pretty much take his team. They get him out the way, but he's not the only one who thinks like that. He's not the only one who acts like that. What happens is, mm-hmm. is once you, like, fire that one guy, then everybody else, because you all know what they value more than anything, it's their money. They like, oh shit! Well, I'm not gonna get caught up being that same. You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna let them catch me mm-hmm. saying that same type of thing. And like, I'm not saying you don't get rid of them because you do, but it has to be a way to like, <laughs> you gotta like rico case this shit. You know what I mean? Like, if you're mm-hmm. gonna do all this investigating this shit, it has to be a bunch of people because I guarantee if this guy's acting like that for that long, he's not even the only one in that space, let alone the entire league on this type of he- time. I uh, yeah, I I think you make a couple good points there, and I, I'll say this before Chris chimes in. So with Donald Sterling, Donald Sterling was never forced to sell a team. He was banned for life. His mm-hmm. wife got control of the team because she got went to court said that he was mentally unwell, which is fair. And then she sold the team. The NBA mm-hmm. never forced him to sell the team. Now that 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 could very well happen is a similar situation could very well happen here with Sarver. I don't know. I I do think that he should be banned for life. It, but you bring up a very good point. Some of the owners maybe don't want him banned for life or may take have his team taken away because they might be doing similar things. And they're remember Adam Silver works for them. He's not their boss. They're his boss. So he could only do as much as they say. And I don't think Adam Silver was happy with it either, because you if you saw the press conference, he looked so uncomfortable and didn't he he was so appalled. But like like I said, he he works shouldn't be doing he, he, he shouldn't, but like he works for the owners and the owners ultimately decide what he can and cannot do. Yeah. And this was the mech it seemed like this was the most he could do. Now I know I will say this: there is a, a minority owner, the 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 minority owner that has the second largest shares next to Donald Sterling, calling for him to resign. LeBron and Chris Paul have already made public tweets about it. I'm sure we'll get more. Yeah, I I certainly wish that he, he would consider selling the team. I I don't know if it will happen. I think that there could be a mass. Players could per, might protest, or they might not want to sign with Phoenix. Yeah. Moving forward, so that that could be a fallout there. But Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I certainly don't think this is the last we're going to hear of it. I mean, Chris Paul is by far Phoenix's biggest player. His co-owners, the Players Association, have all come out against Sarver at this point. Like like ten million dollars in a one year suspension is nothing. Like that's not an appropriate punishment for the scale of what he did. Ten million is, is the most the NBA could find him under the bylaws, and that's not yeah. enough. Like that's mm-hmm. a problem with how the NBA is handling mm-hmm. the situation, how the bylaws are structured, what have you. Um, this is decades of him behaving like this, like years yeah. and years of two thousand four. Yeah, the same kinds of comments. Clearly, he has not learned from it. You know, Adam Silver City was remorseful. I Other doubt recording that. does not seem to suggest that. If you do the same thing for two decades and then you finally get... I don't think he's remorseful. Like, he should not be owning an NBA team. Like, bottom line, I think that's a pretty fair statement. Now, whether or not Adam Silver in the NBA has the power to make him sell the team or not, I don't know. I'm not well learned in the nba bylaws and how those contracts are yeah, set up. He, he if he would need to get a, a two uh three-fourths majority vote from the own from the board of governors uh to get, force a for him to sell which i just i if, if that was an option i think it would have happened i don't think it's an option yeah i i agree with what you said lucas and what you sort of hinted at daryl like this is not a one-man problem Mm-hmm. A lot of these rich people in position of power are just not well behaved or very good people. Like I, I'm sure the NBA owners would like for this to blow over pretty quickly, and in a year things go back to normal. We'll see if that's how it pans out. Hopefully, it's not how it pans out. I don't want that to happen. I think that's what the owners want to happen. That's what the NBA wants to happen, because, like you said, 
Starbert, as an owner, he's he's Adam Silver's boss. Like, Adam yeah. Silver is the one making these calls. He's just the public face that has to take all the heat. Um, like, like Robert, Trevor should not own an NBA team. He will probably continue to own one. There are plenty of bad people in positions of power in this country. It happens all the time. That's kind of how things are set up. But even selling the team, that's not much of a punishment because he's still, you know, going to make a lot of money from any sale. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to truly punish people who are as rich and powerful as Robert Sarver. But you shouldn't be in charge of an NBA team. You shouldn't be working with players and with staff when he's behaving the way that he's behaving. And hopefully they can like get rid of him sooner than later. We'll see. But he doesn't deserve to own an NBA team, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree there. And I will just say this. Daryl, you might not know, but Chris remembers. I used to cover the Suns for about a year uh, for fan-sided. And when I was covering them, that was when uh, McDonough, McDonald, McDonough uh, was the GM there. And there was a story that came out that Robert Sarver put a goat into his office as a practical joke. Just for kicks. Ryan McDonough. There we go. Yeah, it's, it's just that crazy. Is like, that is like hilarious and petty. What the hell was his problem? I don't know. It was his employee and he just said, oh, I'm going to put a goat in your office. Like, the guys, Sorry. guys, guys missing a few things. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Chris, before we wrap up, I think there's something that we got. We we forgot to ask Daryl up to this point. Yeah, Daryl. So before we wrap up, obviously, you've been up to a lot of cool things in your personal life with your own media ventures. Do you want to just let the listeners know what you've been up to? Plug your, you know, where to follow you, how to keep up with your work, all that stuff. You know, the floor is yours. I appreciate you. Um, I'm out in L.A. full time now. So pretty much just really working on what I can get my hands on um, in pursuit of this movie thing. But uh, D-Ray, the director, D.R.E.Y., the director on Instagram, and Daryl D-Ray Reynolds on LinkedIn. I really, like I said, I don't be on Twitter much. I got to be honest, man, I'm, I'm at a point where it's like, I'm not as active on social media. I kind of wish I was, but at the same time, a lot of stuff I've been doing has just been taking me off of it. So I don't, there's not a whole bunch of like ventures or pages to plug. Uh, right now I'm working on my audio uh, book for the book that I put out last year. What if the world stopped complaining about Monday? So I'm putting out that audio book soon, but outside of that, man, it's business as usual. It's expensive out here. I got to pay rent. So it's working, man. It's working. When we did talk on the phone that time, you did tell me that basketball might be something coming back around eventually. Absolutely. I've been playing shit. This summer when um, LeBron played on that Drew League team, I was on that team. I played with the Cheaters this summer for um, just just hooping. I I started playing a lot more when I got out here to L.A. So I I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I know I want to do something. I just don't know what it's going to be yet. Hey, man, you know, there's about four G League teams in a, in a California, my man. I know, Open tryouts. I, know. I might have to. I might have to. I'm, I'm going to take this next year to really get in shape, but I'm not going to lie. I might have to um, next year. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely be rooting rooting for you, man. We'll definitely be rooting for you. And uh, we're very proud that you, you man, you're doing good things, man. You're, you're, you're networking. You're doing what you got to do. You you got this, man. I appreciate you, man. I'm trying, I'm trying, making this shit work. I appreciate you. Yeah, and Daryl, thanks again for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate having you on every time that you come and chat with us. I mean, it, it's an honor and a privilege. So thanks for coming on. Nah, bro. Thank y'all for having me on. Like this is it's nice. Like I said, y'all know y'all shit. So it's not like it's y'all getting on here and we just all talking crazy, like. It feel good to talk to people as you know ball. Like I said, I changed my mind on a few things. So, thank you. Thank you. And to, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to the Sixer Sense podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Audible. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. 
We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. And until later this week, everyone, peace out. Go Sixers. Powered by Riverside.